What's up, sports people? Thanks for tuning in to the Victory Formation. I'm your host, Aaron Neal. Man, today has already been wild, and we're only halfway through. Tyreek Hill goes to the Dolphins. The Chiefs get a first round, a second round, and a fourth round pick in this year's draft. And they get two more next year, a fourth and a sixth. They get a total of five draft picks for Tyreek Hill. That's wild. And not only that, whenever Tyreek got to the Dolphins, he signed a four-year, $120 million deal. $52 million of that deal is guaranteed when he signs. And the rest of it, the rest of $72 million, is guaranteed next year at the start of the league year. The Dolphins get a do-everything slot receiver in Hill. Bubble screens, quick outs. Late in the play, he comes open because, I mean, he is the fastest man in the NFL. So the Dolphins became more explosive because they got Waddle. They just received uh, Chase Edmonds. They picked up Mo uh, Raheem Mostert. They got a big boy offense now. They officially just became the second best team in the AFC East behind the Bills. But the Chiefs, this year's draft is going to be deep at wide receiver. So since they got another first, including their own, they get a second and a fourth. They're going to have plenty of opportunity to increase their depth at wide receiver for their slot that Tyreek just left. And then they're going to add on top of it. But it does hurt them as of right now. Because Tyreek was a game changer. You throw it to him on a five-yard go route, five-yard slant or something, and he takes it the distance. So it's quick, easy, cheap touchdowns that the Chiefs aren't going to have anymore. So that's big for them. So honestly, they have they probably dropped to the third best team in their division in the AFC West. So honestly, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Not because they're not talented, but because the AFC now is just too deep. So that's going to be insane to watch, especially now that Mahomes isn't going to have him as a go-to receiver along with Kelsey. They're going to start doubling Kelsey on almost everything. And they're going to take him away in those late play, late play situations that where Tyreek would thrive. So it's going to be tough for, it's going to be tough for Mahomes this year. And this is smart for the Dolphins as well, because they see what's going on in the AFC, all these trades that have been happening so far. And to be able to compete, you're going to have to have weapons. So bringing in Hill only made sense because he's a big play threat and he'll take over getting the number one corner and it'll leave Waddle more open. So honestly, I expect Waddle to have a bigger year. Tyreek's still going to get his, but it's not going to be what it was in Kansas City. 
but Waddle will have better numbers this year, and I expect Mike Gusecki as well to have better numbers. So the Dolphins are clearly going all in this year, and with still having their picks for next year and it being deep at quarterback in the draft next year, I expect them to possibly move on from Tua unless he just has a breakout standalone season this year. But they figure since they're not paying Tua and they're going to draft a quarterback here soon anyway, they're going to have to pay. Let's just go all in on weapons and let's compete. And I'm interested to see what the Chiefs do since Hill's left. But let's move on to the big signing that happened yesterday, the Zadarius Smith to the Vikings. He signed a four-year, $42 million deal with incentives up to $47 million. Now, that's $14 million per year. He did have an offer to the Ravens, but it was only three years, and he was only going to get paid like $8.27 million per year. So this is a big, big upgrade for him. And I'll tell you why I love it. He has 26 sacks in his past two full seasons. He has a high motor, and he gets a lot of his tackles from never giving up on the play. You can see him running across the line and coming up behind and tackling the running back and getting tackles that way. So he just never gives up. He's always around the ball, which is a big, big thing. But in 2020, he had four forced fumbles his last full season when he was healthy. But honestly don't really like this signing by the Vikings because his last two full seasons from 2019 and 2020, his sacks have gone down, his total tackles, his tackles for loss, his quarterback hits, and his quarterback pressures have all gone down. And then on top of that, this past season, he's had back surgery. Now, I've known a few people who have had back surgery and they are not what they used to be afterwards. So if I was a Vikings fan or the Vikings organization, I wouldn't expect to get the Pro Bowl, all-pro level play that he put up when he was in Green Bay. And also in 2020, his last full season, when he was healthy with Green Bay, he was used strictly, excuse me, he was used strictly as a pass rusher. The Vikings don't need help pass rushing. They finished second in the league with sacks at 51. They were fourth and third down percentage, so they can get you off the field. They're 10th in interceptions and 11th in forced fumbles, so they they turn you over at a fairly high rate. Their biggest issue is stopping the run and stopping the pass. They gave up over 2,200 rushing yards, and they gave up 4,300 pass yards. They were 26th in rush yards allowed, 28th in passing, and 30th in first downs. So another big-time pass rusher isn't what they really needed. Now, I could see their numbers doing better since they're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4, putting the extra linebacker on the field. But I honestly don't think this is a very smart move by the Vikings. They need to help in the interior, not another pass rushing guy but I mean I get their thinking though because you got to get your quarterback protect your quarterback and then get dudes who can get their quarterback so Smith falls under that category but 
I think they could have used that draft cap or not the draft capital, the cap space a lot better than what they did with this signing. Now let's switch to the story that just keeps on giving, Baker Mayfield. First of all, he's not as good as he thinks. He's not as good as what the Browns thought he could be. And honestly, his decision-making is very, very questionable at best. And that can be seen from the police video in college, the calling out of the medical staff, the calling out of other players when they are trying to get their contracts done, his snarky remarks with the media. I mean, this dude just does not understand what it means to be a franchise quarterback. Instead of just calming down, taking one for the team, bringing the temperature of the room down, he just constantly... It's like the thorn in your side that you just can't get. Just always right there. And it's and clearly the Browns have had enough because they went and got Deshaun Watson, who hadn't played all year, with all of his off-the-field issues, guaranteed his entire contract. So what does that say about the Browns being done with Baker Mayfield? But... What's really sad for Baker about this is he's almost untradeable because his cap hit is $19 million, almost $19 million, and it's fully guaranteed because it's his fifth-year option. So most teams that have a bridge quarterback don't want him because he's going to make too much noise in the locker room and he's not going to fit right because all he does is make noise. A report came out today that said him and the Panthers are mutually disinterested in each other, so they don't want each other. I mean, that just goes to prove that all he does is make noise because you had to put out a report that you told the Panthers you didn't like them either. I mean, he just makes no sense half the time. And I also heard that in order for some teams to take him, they want draft capital as well. They want him and some picks to take on that contract for the year because no one wants the contract. His market right now is Seattle, which I highly doubt considering they just traded Russell Wilson away and got Drew Locke and they got Geno Smith. Why would you want another loud, unathletic quarterback back there when you have a horrible offensive line? So that doesn't make sense. And the New York Giants, which I could see that happening. The Giants trading for him and having an open quarterback competition with Daniel Jones. But Baker Mayfield in the New York media, that would be cataclysmic. It would be a new story probably every two days. Because the New York media can get after you. And Baker, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't know how to handle it.
and the Browns aren't going to just cut him because then he'd be able to go wherever he wants to. But like I said, I don't know if that would be anywhere, really. So hopefully this will humble him and calm him down a little bit because he said he wanted to go to the Colts. They didn't want him. They traded for Matt Ryan. And then Atlanta, who just traded away Matt Ryan, said we'd rather have Marcus Mariota than him because he he's calm. He brings the temperature of the room down. He's collected. He knows how to be a franchise quarterback. And Baker just doesn't. He's too childish, too immature. He's always got to be right. He can't just get it right. And Mariota's a grown-up. So I think this will cause Baker to take a long, hard look at himself and how he's acted and how he needs to act in order to keep doors open because he's not as talented as some other quarterbacks that can make a bunch of noise like Big Ben and still be brought back and still be wanted because he's not that good. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and the Browns going forward. Now let's shift gears to the NBA. Last night, the Bucks rolled the Bulls, 126-98. Now with only 10 games left in the season, the Bucks are starting to put on that championship pedigree, locking up that number two spot for the playoffs. But the Bulls, they're not playing well. They're 1-4 in their last five, and they're 3-7 and seven in the last ten. They, they just seem to be falling apart late in the season. And honestly, if they keep it up, they're probably going to fall out of the the play-in games for the playoffs. And that would be a travesty considering the type of season that DeRozan's had and how well they started off the season. So i definitely keep an eye out for that. And last night, also, Young went off against the Knicks with 45 that's the third time he's done it in the past six games. And each time he's done it, though, none of them have been less than 45 points what he scored last night. Now, right now, they're 10th in, in the league in the Eastern Conference. So they're on that last spot for the play-in game. But if Young keeps it up, I think they're going to they're gonna lock that spot up. And I honestly think they can make some noise in the playoffs. They could very much get past the play-in games, and maybe even get to the uh, the second round of of the of the final or not the finals, second round of the playoffs. Maybe win a couple games there and make it close. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made it. They won. They lost the second round series, three to four. Took it to game seven. Because right now, Young is playing out of his mind. But over in the West, the Warriors dropped their third straight game last night. But I'm not too concerned about it because Steph didn't play. And he went down a couple games ago against Boston. And honestly, I think this actually might be pretty good for the Warriors 
considering it'll help Clay find his groove since he's only played 26 games this season. And they already got the lowest they could fall in the Western Conference would be probably fourth or fifth. But honestly, seeding doesn't really matter to veteran teams like them because it's all about being healthy and being ready for the playoffs because it's a seven-game series. So it's not like the like March Madness. It's not like college basketball where it's a one and done. Over a seven-game series, the better team, eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, they win. Because they got the dudes and they got the experience to get past those close, tight games. And I wouldn't be surprised if they held Clay out, or not Clay, hold Curry out until the playoffs start. Just make sure his ankle is ready to go so they can make their championship run because they've been top two, top three team all season long in the West. So, I'm not worried about them and what's going on with the Golden State Warriors. I think they'll be fine. And I expect to see them in the Western Conference Finals and possibly in the Finals. Now, shifting back to the NFL, free agency looks like it's starting to die down a little bit if you don't count the Tyreek Hill trade today. But it seems like most teams have got all their trades and free agencies and everything out of the way, and they're starting to gear up for the draft. So in lieu of that, I decided to rank the strongest divisions in the NFL. And I like a good list, so I figured it was the best thing to do with free agency starting to slow down. And number eight. I went with the NFC South. It has to be the weakest division in the NFL because the only really competent, capable team there is the Bucks because they just re-signed Tom Brady. Or Tom Brady came back out of retirement, I should say. The Saints lost Sean Payton. Yeah, they just signed Jameis Winston, but again, what's he going to do? The Panthers, they got Sam Darnold. I expect them to pick up a quarterback in the draft, but again, he's going to be a rookie and Sam Darnold's going to be his backup, so they're inept there. The Falcons are in total rebuild because they just picked up Mariota and traded away Matt Ryan. So they're looking at like three years from now being actually a competent team to make some noise in the playoffs. Number seven, I went with the AFC East. You got the Jets with Zach Wilson, who haven't done anything in forever. Yes, you got the Patriots, but the Patriots haven't done anything this free agency that would indicate that they're moving forward and trying to be better and get more weapons for Mac Jones. I mean, they just let go of J.C. Jackson. So that was a lockdown defender on defense, and they haven't added anything on offense. 
and Mac Jones, he isn't good off the script. Once this play starts breaking down, he kind of just freaks out and loses it. He doesn't really know what to do. The Dolphins, they just added Tyreek Hill. So I think they'll give the, the Bills a little bit of a run for their money. But I still think Tua is an average quarterback. He's not going to – Tyreek Hill isn't going to elevate him like that. So I don't really expect much there as well. And then, of course, the Bills with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, and they just added Von Miller. Now, I know Von Miller is not what he used to be, but he doesn't have to be what he used to be. They had the number one scoring offense and the number one scoring defense. They just need Von Miller to be Von Miller for a few plays every game. He doesn't have to take over an entire game like he used to. So I see the Bills coming out of there. Next, I went to AFC South because... The Jags have signed a bunch of people, but come on now, it's the Jags. How many how many times have all their signings worked out like that? Yes, they got Trevor Lawrence in his second year, but I'm not sold on the Jags. The Texans, they got Davis Mills, so they seem to have a competent quarterback, but they're still in complete rebuild mode. The Colts, yes, they just sent Matt Ryan. And they have, they got Pittman, they got Taylor, and they got a strong defense. I think they had like seven pro bowlers on offense, including, no, seven pro bowlers on the team. But I just don't, I don't see Matt Ryan coming in and lifting that franchise to like what a Russell Wilson would have. Because Matt Ryan, he's up there in years. And I still think it's Tennessee's division because Tannehill has the ability to move. They just signed Robert Woods. They got A.J. Brown, who was a true number one. He was in the top five of highest graded receivers this season. And you got Derek Henry back, who has had almost all season to get healthy from his from his foot injury. And then they just restructured Kevin Byard's contract so they get an extra they save eight million dollars in cap space. So I think the Titans are getting ready to do something because that's like the third player they've re signed or restructured in the past like week and a half. And that's cleared up to be about twelve to sixteen million in cap space alone. So I think the Titans are getting ready to do something. But then you got the NFC East. And the reason I put the East over the the NFC East over the AFC South is because you got Jalen Hurts, who is a better version of Davis Mills, I believe. The Commanders just added Wentz, who honestly I believe is a better version of Matt Ryan. He just makes more mistakes. And then, of course, you got Dak with the Cowboys. But 
The Cowboys have not done anything this free agency. They traded away Amari. Randy Gregory didn't re-sign with them. So they're putting everything on Dak and C.D. Lamb. And I just think the Eagles and the Commanders are better than the Colts and the Texans. So I think that makes the division stronger. Next, I went with the NFC North. There you got Kirk Cousins, Rodgers, Jared Goff. He ain't nothing. He's just a bridge quarterback until the Lions can find their next guy. Justin Fields, I'm still still holding out on. I don't haven't really seen a whole bunch from him to sway me either way. So I just think the reason that division is up there is because, honestly, of Aaron Rodgers. But they just lost Devontae Adams. So I don't really know who's gonna, who he's going to be throwing to. But the Lions last year showed they can play with anybody. They had a lot of close games. They didn't, they didn't win most of them. But they played a lot of close games with a lot of good teams. The Vikings, they just hired an offensive coach, so I think that's going to help out Kirk Cousins, who threw over 30 touchdowns this past season with Mike Zimmer. So I think they'll be better. Next, I want the NFC West. And you got Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. You got the Rams with Stafford. You got the Niners with Shanahan and Debo Samuel. And Debo's a beast. And then, of course, you got the, the Stinkhawks now. I wouldn't expect much out of them for the next three years. But Shanahan, McVay, and then Kyler. Those are the three stars in that division. And I think that's going to be tough. Second is the AFC North. And you got the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers. The Bengals just went to a Super Bowl with Joe with Joey B. And Lamar, I mean, MVP. Most of the Ravens were hurt last year, so they're gonna come back strong. Plus you can't out, you can't count out Harbaugh. He's gonna have them ready. He almost had them in the playoffs last year when they were second to only the Tennessee Titans and in injuries. So they're going to come back healthy and hungry. The Bengals just added some offensive line help. So they're going to protect Joe Burrow a hell of a lot better than they did before. And honestly, it just goes to show in that Super Bowl, if he had had an extra second or two to throw that football, Jamar Chase was wide open. Ramsey fell down. They could have, it would have been the game-winning touchdown. So... And the Browns just added Deshaun Watson. So you got Jackson, Burrow, and Watson on the same division. Now, Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, they're a solid team. They got a good defense. But I'm not sold on Trubisky. 
he's another bridge guy, just getting them by until they can find their next guy. So that division is going to be tough. But it only it comes in second only because of the AFC West, who has four star quarterbacks. I mean, Denver has Russell Wilson, and they just signed Randy Gregory. The Chiefs, yeah, they just lost Tyreek Hill, but they still got Pat Mahomes, Kelsey, and Andy Reid. You're telling me they can't figure it out? The Raiders, hell, they made the playoffs, and they didn't even have a damn head coach. And they added Devontae Adams. So you're telling me they're not going to be better with Devontae Adams and an offensive head coach? And then the Chargers, honestly, I'm picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, you got Justin Herbert, and they just signed, re-signed Mike Williams. They acquired Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, and that was their biggest issue. They couldn't get people off the field. So most of the time, it was either a shootout or Herbert got shut down and he couldn't do anything. Or he was on the sideline. Like I said, it was a shootout and he was on the sidelines having to watch. So, I'm picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl of the AFC this year. But as a recap, one is AFC West, two is the AFC North, three is the NFC West, Four is the NFC North. Five is the NFC East. Six is the AFC South. Seven is the AFC East. Eight is the NFC South. But that's my division rankings. And since I gave my Super Bowl pick for the AFC, I will choose... I don't like any of these teams in the NFC. I'm going to go Cardinals. I'm going to go the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to come out of the NFC this year. But, All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Please give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. And I will talk to you all tomorrow.